This is The Faithful Expositor, a podcast from the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Jonathan Sims of Shepherdville Mills Baptist Church. Well, welcome back to another edition of The Faithful Expositor. It's been um, a few weeks uh, since our last episode, but it's just kind of that time of year for, for us here at Shelbyville Mills Baptist Church. Um, and the time of year it actually is, is hunting season. Mm. Brother Jono, first kill this past weekend. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Well, it was open in morning, and that's always just a special time for an archer and um, we all have cameras out and there was a good buck moving to the area I hope to see him he didn't show up but there's some does in that area that need to be taken out and about a couple hours into the hunt I saw a, a nice doe coming in that I have matched wits with before and she picked me off two or three times last year and had the wind in my favor, and she was clueless, and I ended up harvesting her and brought in two big old bags of jerky this morning for you guys, and so we're all kind of enjoying that harvest. Did you name her Jezebel? <laughs> <laughs> she needs to be, brother. <laughs> what What's it like? I just think if it's opening day and I get a deer on opening day, and especially one, you know, that got me the last year, you know, just a former football player, former football coach. You know, like if you're thinking about like at Shelbyville, Tullahoma is our first game every year, and you just you're building up all year long, and then you get to that first game, and it's your rivalry game. Yeah, and you get that win. Mm-hmm. What's the euphoria like? Well, an old doe like that, anybody that's hunted for any length of time at all knows, we call them wood witches because they're so smart, and they just don't miss anything. And it's so much harder to kill a wood witch than it is even sometimes a mature buck because they're just so on red alert. And an old doe like that, just she just controls the area. And she'll run the bucks off. Mm. And, and um, I can't tell you the numbers of times I've been hunting, and she's just ruined my hunt, stomping and blowing and alerting everything in the area, you know, that I'm there. And so it was rewarding to be able to take her out. Time for her to go. Time for her to go. And, and we're going to get to enjoy some jerky. Exactly. Well, yeah. we don't we don't have an old doe or a mature buck in here with us uh, this afternoon. We've got a young buck Uh-oh. here in the studio with us, uh, a guest and a guest to the podcast, maybe, but not a guest to our church, um, to you or to me, or even to Joshua in the room. Uh, but we have Tyler Bowman with us, our newest staff member uh, called by the church to be associate pastor. Uh, and so we just want to introduce him and uh, talk a little bit with Brother Tyler uh, before jumping into our topic this this afternoon. But Tyler, first time on the podcast, what's that like? It's awesome. This just to be in the room and see where it all takes place is is exciting and and also like I don't know, it, it is very exciting. But just just honored to get to just see what all takes place in here, really. Tyler, since we have you here brother we just wanted you to sit in with us today for that reason just to kind of uh, another experience to another learning curve here for you but why don't you tell us just a little bit about uh you're married to elizabeth right and y'all have we got four kiddos um knox who's 11 uh, mason who's 10 uh, titus 
seven. And then kind of our, our last one with a full quiver there with Cora, our little princess girl, if you will. And she's five. And, mm. and so that makes up again, Lisbon and I have been married, uh, 13 years. Um, and got the, the four kiddos. And so that's what, that's what I have at home. Now you've been our student minister here at Shelbyville Mills for 10 years. We just celebrated your 10th year anniversary, uh, not long ago. And, um, so as Ryan said, our church is already very familiar with you and, uh, know you very, very well. It's been a wonderful thing to see you. I think when you came here, you were probably in what the, what grade were you? I was a sophomore in high school. Sophomore in high school. And, and, um, the Lord has just done such a great work in your life. And, um, what's it been like, brother, just kind of coming up from high school in Shelbyville Mills Baptist Church? Yeah, absolutely. So that's, again, the kind of major theme of my life since that has just been wisdom and a multitude of counsel is what I always kind of go back to. And that's where I learned that here. I learned that um, preach from the pulpit. Um, and again, that the local church is everything. So that started to be, you know, when you start looking out at where you're going to go to college, you start looking at, you know, where you're going to buy a home as a, a married couple. And it was just taught to center it around the church. And then obviously God you know, we'll take care of the rest of that. And that was really kind of the theme of my going into college. Um, Brother Jared, you know, on staff here with us as our college director was super influential. There was a good probably 12 of us that all maintained and stayed local so that we could be a part of that church or part of that gathering. And then came time to get married and Elizabeth and I got married in college. And it was, you know, where do I teach? Where do we go? And it was, well, Sheffield Mills is where we're planting. So it's got to be within that realm. And then when you approached us about potentially leading in student ministries and, and getting to be a part of that and just continue to be under your leadership and just other men of this church that just continue to seek counsel and wisdom from them. And that ultimately kind of just <clears throat> governed. It goes back to you wrote it. We give out MacArthur study Bibles to all the students in 2007. I got one from you and, and the youth pastor at that time here. And man, that was the gig was just, Proverbs, you know, there's a wisdom and a multitude of counsel. To, so continue to seek that, continue to you know, live by God's word and godly men. And, and now just getting to come on staff and serve the local body and, um, you know, assist my senior pastor, who I'm grateful and, and humble to come alongside is, man, it's it's just at this current climate of where I'm at for two weeks in is, you know, God's just, as we saw and you're going to get to, just the blessings that God is, you know, shown my family and my, you know, my life just out of, you know, being obedient to him is, man, it's special. Amen, brother. Tyler will be serving as associate pastor here, and, and uh, your responsibilities right now are to continue uh, on with the student ministry. Also, one of the biggest arms of our congregation is small groups, and I know we talked about in staff meeting this morning, that's going to be a huge learning curve for you, although you're already familiar with it because you've been a part of it uh, for 10 years. But there is a difference overseeing it. And also you're working with our senior adult ministry and helping us out there. Also, just all things pastoral, counseling things and preaching in my absence some. And so uh, just we wanted to have you in here today, brother, to welcome you. And glad you're a part of our team here at Shelbyville Mills. 
Amen. And I know, uh, Brother John, you just have to be thrilled because there's not a greater advocate for your jokes <laughs> than Tyler Bowman of of anyone in our church. So I'm just glad that there's somebody, brother, that that finally appreciates good material. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I got a good eye for it. And, yeah. And you've got mm-hmm. it, brother. Mm-hmm. Or some would just call it, you know, especially seeing where you are now, just finding that in and, you know, just wiggling your way. <laughs> uh, at this point, I will never stop laughing at the jokes, for sure. <laughs> well, they're not always a sure thing, but these mics sure are. Mm, there you go, brother. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's bad. That's good. We're sure microphones is yeah. what we're using, S-H-U-R-E. Yeah. Josh is telling us to wrap it up, so we probably should. <laughs> we'll leave the jokes to Brother John. Yes. Um, but, Tyler, I know I'm just thrilled to have you on staff, uh, one of my best friends, and um, Tyler's a big part of how I, I just, when I came to Shelbyville Mills, dating then my girlfriend, but now my wife Paige, um, just grafting me into the college group and kind of latching on to me and making me feel mm-hmm. welcome, uh, which is why you're going to do a great job with small groups because that's, you know, that's what I was a prospect. And, you know, you guys, you, Pat, Colt, Jared, Shane, all those guys just made me feel like part of the group from the first time I was in there. And, now here, here I am with our senior pastor right alongside you. So it's awesome. But amen. Well, today we've uh, dedicated the podcast to um, talking about Brother John's message from this past Sunday. Um, and before uh, jumping into it, uh, Brother John, I just wanted to ask you um, because you had started preaching through the fruits of the Spirit. We finished Revelation, um, and so now you're just kind of getting to preach through some things on your heart. And, uh, you know, there are some things, as you've mentioned before, um, that you just need to come back to, remind your your people of. You know, Ephesians 5.18 is one of them for us. Um, any of the Proverbs, and like Tyler said, seeking godly counsel, just the wisdom. Um, and so Fruits of the Spirit was, was that one. But you interrupted Fruits of the Spirit. Uh, with Psalm 128. Can you talk and just share a little bit about us, um, about how you were interrupted and why this message was placed on your heart? Well, I've said it, and I'm unapologetic about it, that I believe in the real, living, vital ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I believe the Holy Spirit does lead us, and I believe He does guide us. And and that's part of his ministry in, in the life of a pastor. I can't conceive of trying to shepherd this church without the help, the aid, the assistance of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And um, just as an announcement, segue to what we're talking about as well, uh, Monday, my third daughter, Julie, um, had our sixth grandbaby, a boy. And just as I was rejoicing and reminiscing, the Lord brought Psalm 128 back to my mind. Who else does that? It's not just some Hmm. wandering thought that I had. The Spirit of God uh, brought Psalm 128 back to my heart and mind and and prompted me to turn there in my Bible. So I opened up my Bible, and this is a passage of Scripture that goes all the way back to even some of my unconverted days. The Lord was already working in my heart through this psalm, and the things that I preached in this message, he put in my heart over 40 years ago. And I said from the pulpit yesterday, the Holy Spirit has line item veto power. He has the right to check me 
at any point and lead me in a different direction. And I'm so thankful that he does. I want to be where the Holy Spirit is. I want to be where he's working. And and um, and so I, I sense the Lord leading me to preach this text. And so I moved the fruits of the Spirit from Sunday morning to Sunday night so that I could preach this message this past Sunday morning. And and I believe that I was obeying what my Lord was leading me to do. And mm-hmm. and um, I've never had the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't feel like I need to give a disclaimer, but I, I, I would fall in the camp of cessationism. But at the same time, I believe the Holy Spirit moves and guides us and mm-hmm. leads us. And and um, that's what he uh, led me to. I've never had the Holy Spirit lead me to do anything except turn to the Scriptures yeah. and find out what the Word of God says. But he's certainly instrumental in leading me to the books I preach when I start preaching through a book. And he's certainly instrumental in causing interruptions in those books to preach things that the church needs to hear, maybe that I'm not going to be able to cover in exposition. Mm-hmm. So this was one of those. Mm-hmm. Well, and I thought personally that it just fit in. One, it was very timely. Mm. I, I needed to be reminding them. I was telling Paige uh, last night just how I, I needed to be reminded of the fear of the Lord and not just the fear of the Lord, but the blessings that come from it. Right. But I, it fit in perfectly in my opinion, with the fruits of the Spirit, especially how you've been teaching us the fruits of the Spirit and contrasting them with those works of the flesh. Right. You know, starting there in verse 18 of Galatians 5. Um, right. And, you know, when we're not fearing the Lord, those fleshly things come out. But when we are, the fruits come out. Mm. And um, you started off uh, in our message Sunday morning um sharing those very things and then jumping in uh, is a two-part message. I think Brother Jason Johns, what is that? Is it Tyler, is that a great message or a good message? I can't remember what he said, but Pastor Jason, help us out. You know, if you're listening, call us and remind us. But I think he said a two-point message is a great message. Right. Uh, but two-point message in the first point just being the call of God to fear and obey. And we see it in in verse one and in verse four, how blessed is everyone who fears the Lord? What what is that fear of God? I shared with you in your office. That's one of the first questions I had as a young Christian, newly saved. I kept hearing pastors teach it, you know, small group leaders teach it. You know, fear the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. Fear the Lord. But what is that? Well, let me back up and do just a little bit of context to answer that question, which is what a good expositor does. Mm-hmm. Um, the King James Version um, uses this subscription to Psalm 120 through Psalm 134, a psalm of degrees. Um, other translations, I believe perhaps a little bit more understanding, would use the term a psalm of ascent or ascents. Mm-hmm. That's what mine has. That's what yours says. Mm-hmm. And Psalm 120 through Psalm number one thirty four, so a total of fifteen psalms are commonly called the Psalms of Ascents. And this is when Israel was coming out of Babylonian captivity, where they were for seventy years for disobeying the direct commands of God given to them as a nation. God sent them into seventy years of captivity to refine them and lead them to repentance. And these Psalms of Ascents uh, record their release from Babylon and their return 
to the promised land, to Zion, to Jerusalem. And as they marched from Babylon back to the promised land, they sang these psalms. Uh, later, after the temple was rebuilt and they were in the land again and established and the temple was being constructed, they constructed 15 steps ascending up to the temple. And at special times of the year, as they got on each step, they would sing that psalm. And then they moved to the next step and sang the second psalm of ascent. And then they moved to the third step and so forth and so on. So Psalm 128 would have been when they reached the eighth step. They would have sung, we forget these are songs, Mm. they would have sung this psalm. And so to answer your question, for 70 long years, they had forgotten the fear of the Lord. That's what got them into trouble. That's what got them into captivity. And for 70 years, God had taught them the fear of the Lord, and they had learned not to practice idolatry. And most biblical Historians will teach you, and I didn't even bring this out in my sermon Sunday, but after 70 years of Babylonian captivity, you can search antiquity. uh, The Israelites never, ever struggled again with idolatry. God fixed them, Mm. Um, and they learned to fear the Lord. It means to have a sense of dread. The word fear, as it's used here in Psalm 128, it means to regard it means to give reverence to. It's a term of worship. What you fear is what you worship. Mm-hmm. If if you give that much attention to something, if you give that much regard to something, then that's, that's your, your worship object. That's the one that you're worshiping. And through that 70 years of captivity, God taught them not to worship any other God than YHWH, Yahweh, Jehovah, we would say, the one true and living God, the self-existent one, the mm-hmm. one who is eternal, the one that needs nothing, the one that is almighty. Uh, Isaiah called him holy, holy, holy. And so to fear the Lord is to properly know who he is, to understand him, and to reverence him, uh, to have the right weighted amount of, of good, just, and holy dread, of good, just, and holy fear and regard for understanding that the Lord is God and beside him there is none other. No one can call him into a question. No one can call him into account. Mm. No one can can hold God to their standard. God himself is the standard. And so this is what we commonly mean by Yahweh in the Hebrew, the, the fear of the Lord. It's, it's the right kind of dread, the right kind of fear, the right kind of reverence for Almighty God. Mm. I think there's any accident there that Yahweh is is Y-A. I mean, when we translate Jehovah, we translate mm. Yahweh as yes. Y-A-H-W-E-P-H. Mm. I don't think that's the fear of the Lord. any coincidence Amen. there uh, in the language. Amen. Um, you, you talked about in your in your sermon, it, it's a constant state, and it's not... We, we've always heard the the analogy and just kind of relating it to our relationship with our earthly father. Mm. You know, there's a, there's a fear there of them, but there's all, there should be a love there present, you know, that we have. Is that a good analogy or? It is, it it is brother. And certainly we can learn from analogies and illustrations help us to get our human minds wrapped around things. So I'm not saying I necessarily have a problem with that. 
But the problem with any analogy, the problem with any illustration is it breaks down. Mm. God is altogether different. And while there are some communicable attributes of God, there are some incommunicable attributes of God as well. And I would state it to you this way. Joshua's sitting over here. He's saved. You're, you're across from me. You're saved. Tyler's saved. I'm saved. We all have the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ put to our account. We have passed from death into life. We will never be recipients of the wrath of God. Amen. Amen. Isn't that worth saying hallelujah? Mm. But I'll promise you this. If God just showed one one billionth of his glory in this room right now, even though we're all born again, elect of God, saved and going to heaven, we would all be terrified. Mm. Brother, so you can't soft pedal the word fear. Now, that's not what you're doing in that <laughs> yeah. by using analogies, yeah. I, because I use some even Sunday myself. But the fact is, through 2,000 years of New Testament history, people have tried to soften that word. Mm. Uh, and through 2,000 more Old Testament history, people have tried to uh, make that word, you know, be something we can kind of get comfortable with. But I'm telling you, it means fear. Mm. Um, and it, our God is an awesome being, and there's things about him that we still, and even 10 billion years after we've been in eternity, we won't fully grasp because he's infinite. Mm. But God is to be feared. There should be a righteous and a holy sense of dread. Now, he welcomes us. He loves us. We're accepted in the beloved. We know that he's fatherly toward us in his love and toward his grace and his mercy toward us. But again, you, you have Old Testament and New Testament instances of truly regenerate people like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, crying out, woe is me. Moses catches just a, a glimpse of an inch of God's shoulder passed by after God's hidden him in the cleft of the rock, after he's covered his face with his own hand, and the glory of God about causes Moses' body to explode. I mean, he glows for days. You have Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration, and Jesus, whom they're they're warm and 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 comfortable with, and know him, and have that earthly incarnational Jesus with them. Yet when the Shekinah glory of God rests upon Jesus Christ, it was a terrifying thing, you know, and they fell on their faces. John who we just studied yeah. Revelation, the apostle Jesus loved. When he saw Jesus in Revelation chapter 1, he fell at his feet as a dead man. Mm -hmm. And I just fear, brother, that we've lost some of that fear. And it's, Definitely have. And, and it's caused people to get sloppy, yeah. just like Israel. And that's why God sent them into Babylonian captivity. And so, the, the, brother, we need to rediscover the fear mm. of the Lord. It's the very beginning of wisdom and every other thing God does in our lives. Yeah. And just relating it back to those fruits of the Spirit, last night you, you just challenged us, or Sunday night, you challenged us very hard on kindness. Yes. And just as Christians, we're called to be kind. Yeah. We, we should be loving and, and kind and and. If you rightly fear the Lord, that's it. As you as you should, that's you will right. you will be kind because I, because I, Holy God requires this of me, yeah. and and we forget that the Holy Spirit is God, and so these fruits are fruits of who God is, mm. and what He's saying is what Paul said in Romans chapter eight: we're being conformed into the image of His Son. Yeah. So when we're 
full of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, uh, temperance, where we are manifesting the communicable attributes Mm. of God. We're showing forth that it's the spirit of the living God who is in control of our lives. And that's what Ephesians 5 means when it says, be ye filled with the spirit, play rue, be controlled by, under the influence, the sway of the spirit of the living God. Mm. You can't fear God and then turn around and be altogether unlike him. That's the whole point of this text. He says, fear the Lord and walk in his ways. Genuine fear of God always leads to walking in his ways. If you're not walking in his ways, you do not fear him. And I think what evangelical Christian churches are trying to do today is create and market a God to people that they don't have to fear, that requires nothing, requires no walking, requires no obedience, requires no holiness. Just a God who fixes all their problems takes them to heaven when they die, yeah. but that's basically it. Yeah. That is, that's basically the kind of gods that Israel embraced that led them to have to be sent into Babylon. Mm-hmm. It's a false God. Yeah. And so we can't weaken this word fear. It needs to stay just as it was given in the Hebrew and rightly translated into the English, fear. Yeah. And that's what it means. It doesn't mean the kind of fear like we go watch a uh, ungodly Halloween movie mm. and we're afraid somebody's going to stab us with a knife. Mm. It's it's the kind of fear for the purity, the righteousness, the cleanness, the holiness of God. It's which, not a phobia. It, no, that drives it, us no. away from God, brother. It's it's the right kind of reverence that brings us into His presence. Mm-hmm. And makes us suited to carry out his will. Yeah. Where else do you have to go? That's right. <laughs> That's right. Well, there's nowhere else to, t- no one else to turn to. I wish I would have, you know, thought about this yesterday, but in divine providence, you know, I strongly encourage our people to read the proverb of the day. Mm-hmm. And as providence would have it, today's October the second. So. If you read the proverb of the day, you would read Proverbs chapter 2. And I'm not going to read it all, but in Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, he tells us how to obtain the fear of the Lord. Okay, do I just sit around and, all, and just try to work up, okay, I'm afraid? Mm. Well, no. In Proverbs chapter 2, he says, if you will receive my words, listen to that word, receive. Mm. Hide, there's another active word, hide my commandments within you, incline your ear. There's another active word. Apply your heart to understanding. Cry after knowledge. Lift up your voice for understanding. Seek it as silver. Search for it as treasure. Listen, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Mm -hmm. So this calls for diligence on your part to be in the word, searching for it, crying after it, Asking God, God, give me wisdom. And the first lesson is the fear of the Lord. That's the very beginning of wisdom. So fear is something we should start with. This should should be, Tyler, what we're teaching the students. This should be, Brother Ryan, what we're teaching the children Mm -hmm. in Faith Fighters. We start children out learning the fear of the Lord. It's the very first lesson. This is intermediate in a rudimentary, just basic teaching here yeah. is that we teach people to fear the Lord. This is why it's important for pastors that if you just have labored on this podcast in the pulpit, true church conference, 
on the many phone calls you get from for men of God to preach the word. Brother, let me put it to you like this. The reason Shelbyville Mills Baptist Church is not following marketing strategies today, the reason Shelbyville Mills Baptist Church is not just the product and the overflow of my personal vision, the reason that we're not on our own track is because I fear the Lord. Mm. It's because one day I know I'm going before the judgment seat of Christ, and I'm going to give an account to the Lord of the church. And when I stand before him and try to explain to him why I did church the way I wanted to do it, rather than following the clearly (laughs) revealed New Testament, I would not want to stand before Jesus having done my own self-styled, newfangled approach to church. As a teacher who will receive a stricter judgment. That's exactly right. That's the fear of the Lord is that what motivates me for our church to be seeking to be a biblical church is the fear of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And to live an obedient life as a Christian is the fear of the Lord. We're going to give an account. We're going to stand before the Lord one day, and we're going to give an account to him for the things that he's written in his word. Yeah, Kind of building off that, and we'll get to the blessings of your life that you pulled out in this text, because that's you know the title of the message, the blessings of the fear of the Lord. After verse one, we get into how God blesses us when we do fear Him. Right. What have been the blessings you've seen here at Shelbyville Mills as our senior pastor for 23 years, coming up on 24 in January, and being the place where the buck stops and fearing the Lord? How has God blessed our church? Sobriety seriousness now we talked at the outset about my sense of humor which not it's kind of dad joke type stuff you know <laughs> we laugh we have a good time don't we guys yep. we really do um we, we we have fun but brother i don't think anybody would deny we're dead serious mm. we're serious about the word of god and when you walk into a pastor's meeting there is that level of sobriety. When you walk into a deacon's pastor's meeting, it's it, we have a good time, but it's serious because we're dealing with seri- we're dealing with the holy things of God. And so the thing that I would say is our church is just not a silly comic strip. It's just not goofy, silly, uh, you know, uh, just fleshly, carnal, slapstick, uh, irreverent, uh, you know, mumbo jumbo that's all packaged under a steeple with a cross on it in the name of a church. Um, We really do strive for this church to be built on the New Testament. And so I think the fear of the Lord has driven us to take the Word of God serious and to actually apply it in the way our church functions and operates. And hopefully individual families apply it in their lives Mm -hmm. and walk by its truths as well. Yeah. Amen. Congregationally, we've had, um, we say years of peace, not meaning that we haven't had church discipline cases, not meaning, you know, we haven't had uh, issues and struggles and just had to work things, but we've had years of peace. The church loves each other. There's a unity. There's a sweetness. There's friendship. You know, you talked about dissensions last night and Sunday night and not you know, we're not a church filled with different groups and, and cliques, though, you know, we gravitate towards people in the same, you know, life stage we're in or small groups, small groups, yeah. that, mm-hmm. you know, obviously that's natural, but 
um, everybody loves each other. Yeah. Everyone, you know, wants to truly put, for the most part, the, their brother or sister above themselves. Well, and this is the, the, the flip side of that is that, yes, then when, and I say this humbly, I say it respectfully, but then when we do have a major issue and we do have major issues come up, when we do have a church discipline issue, the thing that would absolutely destroy, split, and explode the average man-centered fleshly church is a rally point for our church. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Do y'all help me? I don't remember the last time that a vote on a church discipline issue was not 100% unanimous. Could I don't remember. I don't. Re- I couldn't even if my life depended on it. And so my my point is that you know. The fear of the Lord brings about a seriousness that causes us to respond in a certain way, and that is when trouble comes, we're unified. Mm. Instead, the opposite of it dividing us, it it just it makes us more bonded together because we're all committed to stand upon the rule is the Word of God. Yeah. So that that does away with opinions, that does away with a party spirit, that does away with my thoughts, what I think, what we I believe we should do. When the standard is the Word of God, Paul says we all walk by the same rule, we all mind the same things. It just puts us all on the literally on the same page, yeah. the pages of the Bible. Yeah. Amen. And then looking at the blessings in in your life, that was the second point um, in your sermon that you just brought out before us. Um, and it was, I told Tyler on the way uh, back to church um, in the car, it, they're just evident in your life. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, just knowing, you know, how you've walked out this fear, how you've walked out being faithful to the Word of God, not just as a pastor of our church, but as a dad, as a friend, um, as a granddad now, uh, it's just it's just evident. But you know those those blessings. Um, there were eight of them that you gave us, uh, and wanted to talk to you uh, specifically about a few of them. Uh, the second one just really stood out to me: blessed with happiness. Right. Oh. Yep. Christians get to be happy. Yep. Well, he says that when you fear the Lord. And walk in his ways, happy shalt thou be. And by the word way, the word blessed, uh, if I pronounce this right, Asher in the Hebrew, is the same word for happiness. So he just repeats that again. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be blessed is to be happy. And I've just always been troubled through the years. Happiness has taken a bad rap. I've heard preachers almost preach against happiness, yeah. almost make it sound like happiness is a bad thing. You yeah. shouldn't pursue happiness. Well, because you have Joel Osteen in this ditch over here. Yeah. We've landed in the other ditch. Well, I've even heard guys try to delineate between joy and happiness. And I just have exegetically, I've never seen that. Um, I think they're straining at a gnat that doesn't exist. One's spiritual, the other's carnal, is how I've seen it explained. Exactly. And, brother, the truth is, happy is a Bible word. God's happy. God himself is happy. Mm -hmm. He's the happiest being in the universe. And so... He promises to those that fear him and walk in his ways that they'd be blessed, and it's the same word he uses, it repeats it again, happy shalt thou be. And it's not that, uh, and this is the promise for anyone that fears the Lord, 
it's it's not that I'm just out here and giddy all the time and oblivious to reality and I've got my head buried in the sand like an ostrich or something. You guys know my story. I've suffered as much as anybody. We've been through just as the same kind of common pains that everybody else goes through. We've been through a church split here. Uh, we've been had divisions. We've had fights, long-term struggles, just like every church does and has. I've, I've faced all those difficulties in my ministry, but I can honestly tell you that through it all, there has been a deep abiding happiness and a joy that I would say um, is not dependent upon what happens on the surface, on the soil, but it's that taproot. It's being rooted and grounded in Christ. It's way down beneath the surface that's not driven by circumstance, but driven by Christ. Mm. And is this not what, if everybody was honest, we truly long for in our hearts? And it seems to just evade this world and the average church member. We look for happiness in everything under the sun, except who, who in their right mind, if you sat down with a counselor and you said, sir, help me, I'm just not happy. And he said, well, you need to fear the Lord. They'd look at you like you've lost your mind. <laughs> but then again, I find out most of the time the counsel of God is it's so contrary to the way yeah. this world thinks and the way churches think. If you want to be happy, begin with the fear of the Lord. Yeah. And let his fear motivate you to walking in his ways. And you will begin, and it's not God zapping you with a happy gun, but you will begin to discover the happiness of God. And it will grow just like in sanctification we grow. You will grow in happiness. Mm -hmm. You will grow in joy. And what you'll discover is how to be happy when things aren't going your way. What you'll discover is how to be happy when really you don't have a reason to be happy other than you have the reason to be mm -hmm. happy, and that is you know the Father through the Son. Mm. Amen. You talked about being blessed with well-being. That was the third one, and then we get to the fourth one. Blessed with a loving wife. Right. Uh, and I think it's no secret to any of us how much you love um, Kayla. Mm -hmm. But this isn't, you know, blessed with a love for your wife. Right. You titled this blessed with a loving wife. Right, right. Talk to us a little bit about. Well, and I wish, I mean, we could, I could spend the whole podcast. I don't know how to explain this, but even when I was unconverted, I believe because of divine election Obviously, God is working in the heart of an unconverted man before he saves him and convincing him and drawing him, showing him truth. And I would bring this under that heading that even when I was unconverted, when I was a teenager, the, these desires were in my heart. I wanted a wife. I don't know how to explain that. I just did. And I wanted children. I, I just... And that's weird because my dad was an only child and me and my brother were the only children my parents had, so I'd never been around big families. I didn't know what that experience was like. But I just always knew I wanted to have children and I wanted to have a lot of children. And that's just something the Lord placed in my heart early on. And our text says, um, your wife will be as a fruitful vine by the sides of your house and your children like olive plants round about your table. And I don't know how or why, but that just resonated with my heart. It I memorized it. I've never forgotten it. It's always been the desire of my heart. And next to eternal life and next to uh, the salvation that God has given me through Jesus Christ, Kayla's the greatest gift mm -hmm. that he's ever given me. And I say this, it's the truth. I'm not, 
there's just no put on here. Um, me and Kayla love each other. Um, our marriage, I don't know what words to use. Uh, our marriage is fun. Um, it's fulfilling. It's enjoyable. Um, we're best friends. We love to be together and we hate to be apart. Um, we just uh, love each other. And here's the funny thing about it, brother. It's not because we employ methods. Um, it's not because we read books on how to have a happy marriage. Mm. Um, we've never been to a marriage conf- uh, conference, and I'm not against them. Mm-hmm. I th- they can be helpful. Yeah. I, so please don't take that and run with it. Those things can help people, and I'm grateful for the help that couples can get like that. But here's the, it's just so, my life is very simple, and here's the discovery Kayla and I made. As our love for Jesus deepens, our love for each other deepens. When you love Jesus supremely, you don't have to have methods. That is the method. When you love Jesus supremely, you don't have to have conferences. That is the conference. And by the way, you can go to all those conferences and employ all the methods you want to, but until Jesus is your first love, you can't love your wife as Christ loved the church. And so, you know, Kayla has been that fruitful vine. We had five children, now six grandchildren. And it's just such a joy, brother, to see olive plants bear olive mm. plants, and it's so rewarding. Our lives are not perfect. We, we certainly face all the common things that everybody else faces. But I can just tell you that, you know, Ecclesiastes talks about, you know, loving your wife. The Bible talks about in Proverbs 18, whoever finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. That's my story. Mm. Uh, uh, Solomon said, enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your life. He says that this is God's reward. He's given this Mm. to you. And um, it just grieves me to see couples just cohabitate and be selfish. And he's got his ways and she's got her ways and he does his thing and she does her thing when it can be so much more than that. And when you fear the Lord, we're going back to core basic things of Christianity, landmarks, when you fear the Lord and you walk in his ways, he gives you this kind of love for your wife. Mm -hmm. And like you said earlier, when we fear the Lord, it fixes a lot in our church. When we fear the Lord, it'll fix a lot in our marriage Uh, too. Absolutely. It sure will. Absolutely. How did fearing (laughs) the Lord lead you to Kayla? Well, I wish I could sit here and tell you that that was what was driving me back then, mm-hmm. but because the truth is, back then I was not converted. Now I did have some Godward desires, and I'm thankful for that. And so, in that sense, fear of the Lord, I I knew that I wanted somebody true. I knew that I wanted somebody that was a believer. I knew that I wanted somebody that would follow me. I knew that I wanted somebody that would believe what I believe, but you know, in the doctrine that I had been taught. And so that's what um, God began to have the discussions between me and Kayla. And even though we would be both saved five years after we got married, we thought we were saved. Mm-hmm. We were lost church members, and God had to reveal that to us. But I remember, brother, and she was 19 when we got married and I was 20. So I would have started dating her when she was 18 and I was 19. We had very, very serious discussions right up front. And I told her, um, 
and there might be some of the brethren out there that recoil at this, but it just is what it is, and I, I'm not changing my story. I told her I'm a Baptist. That's who I am, and that's what I believe. And I'm telling you, I, you see the look on my face right now. It still is, brother, I, I, and, and it's because I believe that it is an authentic, the most authentic expression of biblical Christianity, and Kayla was a United Methodist, and we sat down, and I told her that's not going to work. If you marry me, you're going to be a Baptist. You're, my people are going to be your people, and my God's going to be your God. Amen. And, and, and you're going to have to follow me. And I believe that's spiritual leadership. Mm. Uh, guys, you need to buck up and be the spiritual leader. And I told Kayla right up front, we're going to tithe a minimum of 10% of our income, and I ain't giving an inch on it. And I know there's a lot of reform guys out there that say that tithing is not valid. Well, you just have at it. I believe it is. I teach it, I preach it, and I live it, and you're not moving me an inch from it. Mm. That's just how it is. And I told my wife right up front, if we get married, a minimum, and we never just gave 10%. We've always given so much more than that. But there's just some basic principles. And I told her we'll be in church every time the doors are open. We're going to go to church. And I told her I wanted to have a lot of children. And that that was a little bit of a take Mm -hmm. back for her because that wasn't on her radar at that time. But I was loving about it. I don't mean to sound like I'm being a tale of the hun here. But, um, but there were some things I was taught. And there were some things that I was taught that were, were right. Mm. And I wasn't willing to compromise them, Non-negotiables. That, they were, there are some non-negotiables. Yeah. And you need to be honest with each other right up front yeah. about what those things are. Yeah. Well, and Paul lays them out for the Christian that's right. Believer in First Corinthians, yep. who we are to marry. That's right. You're never going to be happy. You're you're never going to have a loving wife if you marry an unbeliever. That's right. It's just not. And she may be as kind and sweet, but there's always going to be the wrong tension. Yep. In in the house. And you know, I just appealed to the congregation at each of these blessings. And I would just stop and say, search your heart. Is this mm. not what you want? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I turned to the young men in our church yesterday morning and right there on the front pew. And I appealed to them, guys, is this not what don't you? And I always wanted a pretty wife. I always wanted a sweet wife. I always wanted a kind wife, a compassionate wife. And I just told those guys, search your heart. Isn't this what you want? Well, the way if you'll fear the Lord, the Lord will lead you to her. Yeah. If, but if you try to go some other way, you're probably going to get that dripping faucet that the Proverbs warns about. Yeah, yeah. And, boy, that's going to be an awful thing. Um, miserable. Miserable thing. Yep. <laughs> You'll want to live in the corner of your house. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, not just with a loving wife, but with children and, and even grandchildren. Yep. As the text shows us. And, again, you're, you're getting to experience that. And, I, you know, it was just, again, talking with Tyler on the way here. Um you know, raising children isn't always easy, um, but you and Miss Kayla, you know, you towed the line, and because of your fear of the Lord, mm. and and the blessing has kind of come full circle now, especially with Amy and Josh and um, Julie and Stephen, mm-hmm. and and hopefully uh, soon, maybe Ashley and and Jeremy. Ashley probably kill me for. Yep. For em- that. Emily and Kevin as well. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we weren't perfect, brother, uh, by any stretch, and we made our mistakes, and we repented along the way. Thank God for the gift of repentance. Mm-hmm. Um, thank God we can repent and that it's ongoing, and I had to repent a lot. But we just, under the fear of the Lord and the guidance of the Word, we did the best we knew to do with what the Scriptures taught. And... Um, 
and it is it is rewarding uh, to to you know bring children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, and you know I, I would just say to any parent listening, you know, that the fear of the Lord should drive your parenting as well. Mm. Um, that's what it means by walking in His ways, and you know just doing the hard things, doing the uncomfortable things, holding your children accountable, uh, uh, lovingly disciplining them when they sin and rebel and step out sides of the bound of the fear of the Lord. And what you're trying to do is to teach them to fear the Lord. Mm. That's lesson number one. You're yeah. trying to teach them to regard and respect and revere the Lord. And um, so that's the very first lesson and the ongoing lesson that you teach them. Amen. And just wrapping it up, um, and Holy Spirit's never wrong. Uh, just in inspiring uh, sacred scripture, thought it was very fitting that peace mm. be upon Israel. The the I, I think you know we all kind of live our lives between the the two poles of I think we all want happiness. Sure. I 100 percent agree with you. Yep. I think we all want peace. Absolutely. As well. we, we just want peace and and though some people just seem like they do everything under the sun to to have wars and fights and love contention um there's something there i I believe truly that honestly just wants peace and the one of the greatest blessings and the last blessing here of fearing the lord is is peace yeah well it's common hebrew greeting shalom you know and what they would do in meeting someone or departing from someone, that would be the word they would use. And it was actually back to that word blessing. It was mm-hmm. a blessing. They were almost a prayer. I want you to be well. I want you to be happy. I want you to be prosperous. I want you to be safe. I want you to be whole. All of those would be good synonyms for shalom. Mm-hmm. And this is the fruit, brother, of fear in the Lord. Um, that desire will never be realized anywhere other than the fear of the Lord. And when you think of fear, and we just think about it from just a secular, okay, English word, fear, you think, oh, well, something's out to get me. Oh, no, I'm in trouble. I fear something. Oh, this is a thing that could hurt me. It's the exact opposite. Fearing God brings wellness. Fearing God brings happiness. Fearing God brings the right kind of prosperity. Fearing God brings safety and it causes wholeness. Satan will come and tell you, man, following God is will ruin your life. It, following God is not good. It, and Satan will dangle every trinket and Twinkie and offering in the world in front of your nose to allure you. He will convince you this is the path of happiness. This is the way to go. This is the way to be satisfied. This is the way to be fulfilled. But here's what you're going to find out when you go down that path. It's going to be gravel in your mouth. Mm -hmm. There is pleasure in sin for a season, Hebrews says, but the season ends and then payday comes. But God, the the Bible says God gives blessings and he adds no sorrow to it. There's no hook. For everything Satan offers you, there's a hook. There's a catch. There's a payment you have to make. But when God gives you a blessing, he adds no sorrow with it, the Bible says. No fine It's free and clear, brother. And, And God wants you to be well and he wants you to be happy and he wants your life to be enjoyable and fulfilling and and then to spend eternity with him forever. 
But this only comes when you fear the Lord and when you walk in his ways, as Psalm 128 clearly teaches. Amen. Inside and outside of the church. Amen, brother. Uh, To our pastor brothers that are that are listening, just encourage you to. And and it's tough and I haven't been able to experience it um, because I've gotten to walk into (laughs) almost a microcosm of of heaven. But uh, brother John, I mean, you've paid the price uh, for fearing the Lord, um, but God's brought you on the other side. You've walked through that valley of shadow of death, but in green pastures and um, it's worth it, wouldn't you say? When I was studying the book of Nehemiah years ago, I ran across a quote, I've never forgotten it. Nehemiah's up on the wall, he's being the leader, he's out front. There's great peril all around them. Everyone hates them, everyone wants to destroy them, everybody wants to see their demise. You got Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, all threatening to come and destroy the Israelites in a moment. And of course, you know the the story, they're brick in one hand and a and a sword in the other, and and they're building slash warriors uh, all, and that's what a Christian is, you know. And I read this quote, and it's appropriate for what we're studying today. It says, "If you fear God, you'll fear nothing else. But if you don't fear God, you'll fear everything mm-hmm. else." And we all struggle with some seasons of fear, but that's when we're not fearing the Lord. You just always can take it to the bank. Whenever you're fearing circumstances or what may happen or what might be on tomorrow, it's because you're not fearing the Lord. You've gotten your eyes off of the Lord. And we all struggle there. I stood, I, st- I confess that to you and Tyler on the way uh, to and from lunch today. We, we Look, we're sinners. We fall mm-hmm. short of the glory of God. But all I can tell you is that under the banner of progressive sanctification, that is a growing thing in me. You know, when I had young children, you know, you just fear the worst, one of them getting sick and dying or somebody snatching one. or And there's horrible things that do happen in this world. And then you get a little bit older and, you well, there might be a downturn in the economy. And I might, my retirement might tank or I might lose my house. or And then you enter into the COVID years and you start seeing things like what's happening in California, what's happening in Canada, mm-hmm. and they're threatening churches. You've got to shut down. You you know, you can't meet. And if you do, you know, we're going to come and seize your property or we're going to write you a hefty fine or, you know, all this stuff. And, and you're tempted to fear, oh, no, you know, we could lose this, we could lose that. Yeah. But all I can tell you is, and, and not that I'm perfect, won't be until final glorification, but the more I follow Jesus— and the more I walk with Christ, I can only tell you all this, the more inside my spirit it's almost like, come take it. I could care less. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. I don't care. The Lord has let me have a long life. I've enjoyed practically everything that he can give me in this world. It's been wonderful. I've gotten way more than I deserve, and now I long for heaven. Mm-hmm. Brother, I, heaven is real <laughs> to me. Um, and as Paul struggle, you know, which is better for me to stay here and teach you or mm-hmm. to be home absent from the body and present with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'd rather do that, but I think the Lord wants me to stay a little bit longer mm-hmm. to teach you and for your benefit. But all I can tell you is that the further you walk with Christ and fear him, the less and less and less you fear the world, yeah. the less and less you fear man, the less alluring this world is, the less what it has to offer. Even the good things, by the way, even the good things. You've had so many good things that even they are not attractive to you anymore. You just want to be with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And um, so the more you fear him, 
the less and less and less a hold this world has on you. So I, again, I'm growing in this, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom, and we all need to get back to a right, just, and biblical fear of the living God, and that will set all of life in order. Yep. That'll set it all in the proper perspective, and we'll begin to grow the way God wants us to. Amen. You know the reason churches today, pastors sitting out there, I can't tell you the numbers of times I've gone into a pastor's office, the door closes behind us, and he looks at me and says, I agree with you on the doctrine of election. I agree with you on the doctrine of church discipline. You know, I agree with you on the doctrine of the biblical standards for leadership. The door of his office opens up, and he puts on that political face and goes out that door, and practically it's as if he doesn't believe those things. He's controlled by fear. Mm. And, and I would just, again, I know I've made this appeal before, but, Pastor, you say you believe this. You say you believe that. You believe this thing. You believe that doctrine. Well, when are you going to start living it? And, and when is it that you, when's the day going to come? that you actually begin to live what you say espouse to believe. What a curse to have a deep doctrinal belief in your heart that you won't live up to. You're being controlled by fear. And what I would just say to you is it's just time to die the death. Mm. It's time to pay the price. It's time to strap on the cross and, and let come what may and say with Queen Esther, if I perish, I perish. Yeah. But I'm going to fear the Lord and not you. I, you know, and you don't have to actually say that to the guy, but you better say it to yourself. Yeah. I'm going to fear the Lord, not you, sir. And I'm going to honor and walk in his ways and not the way you want me to go. And only then will the church begin to change. Yeah. Amen. And that may be slow. It may take years. Could take decades. And it could take the Lord removing you from there. It could. And placing you somewhere else. Yep. I heard a guy say one time that got ran off from a church. He said, the Lord showed me that sometimes it's about the Lord building a pastor instead of a church. Mm. Sometimes the Lord's growing a pastor up for a different assignment, you know. And so just be obedient to fear the Lord and walk in his ways. And these blessings are promises of God. They will come in time. Yeah. But you have to strap on that fruit of the Spirit, patience, yeah. and wait for the Lord. Wait on him. Amen. It's a good word. Well, if you didn't get a chance to listen to Brother John's sermon on Psalm 128, the blessings of fearing the Lord, I encourage you to um, go back and, and listen to it, uh, whether that's Facebook or YouTube or our church website. Um, it's there. Avail yourself of it. It will surely be a blessing to you. Uh, we thank you for listening to uh, this episode of The Faithful Expositor. Hope you all enjoyed uh, Brother Jono and enjoyed... Tyler being with us um, and we'll see you again next time thank you for listening to the faithful expositor for more information on brother Jono's ministry go to our church website smbconline.com and follow him on twitter at Jono Sims